now transmitting the Mint Condition Podcast. Everybody, welcome to episode number 270 of the Mink and Dish podcast, part two, or maybe 271, however we decide to number it. Fuck it, who cares? We're here on uh, Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, that's where we are right now, and that's where you are. I'm Scott the Bot Savage, along with... Wade Wade. And... Joe. And uh, we're just going to get right into it. This is our recap of night two of WrestleMania 36. If you want our thoughts on night one, just go ahead and listen to the night one uh, portion of the episode. And, uh, you know, you'll find out our thoughts on all the matches and our thoughts on the overall first night. Um, This is going to be, you know, we're going to get into it and, you know, we'll give you our thoughts overall of the two shows combined as well. Um, Overall, like, you know, given everything that happened last night, I think we can all agree that night two had big shoes to fill after the first night. Fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I, 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 I just really enjoyed night one. Uh, I, I'm trying to come up with – I'm trying to use other words, you know, trying to use the, uh, the old mental thesaurus. But You were channeling Ozzy there for a second. Well, no, if I was really wanted to channel Ozzy, I would have ended with, Bitch Bulldog's family! Well, no, I mean, how many times you said, I? I uh, well, I, it, it, it could have been worse. I could have been, I could have channeled my and Michael Hayes and went, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's so, about the fart. They're trying to push a fart out. Hi. But That's yeah. exactly what Scott sounds like when he's trying to push a fart out. <laughs> yes, yes you do. But without further ado, let's get into it. Night 2 of WrestleMania 36 started off with an absolute banger of a match, in my opinion. It Fair was uh, Rhea Ripley defending the NXT Women's Championship against Charlotte Flair. Um, if you're, By the way, if you were counting at home, which I was... This match was twice as long as Becky Lynch versus Shayna Baszler. Yeah. Which I know that just ate away at you, Wade. I'm just I'm sorry, Becky Lynch, you know, and I'm been I and I'm not saying this to defend Becky Lynch, because Becky Lynch to me has cooled down tremendously over the year. Um Is it because of the truck? <clears throat> no, I'm saying like she's cooled down like as I think that her <clears throat> the steam, huh? that she had is kind of dwindling because they kind of do nothing with her sometimes. I I think what really hurt her was that Seth Rollins thing. That really didn't help her at all. It definitely did nobody any favors. Yeah, and I don't even know, who did she face at SummerSlam? Well, we're going to have to wait. No, 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 this past SummerSlam. Oh, who did she wrestle at SummerSlam? Was it Lacey? 
Was it? Is it? Like, like, uh, blah, blah, blah. There's not much like Charlotte about her run to where it's like. I mean, she made event WrestleMania, and a year later, she's in a third match wrestling for eight minutes. You know what I mean? Like. Well, yeah, but also. Also, like I said, remember, she's also the longest reigning Raw Women's Champion, you know? that That's something they're probably also trying to get, you know, hook her up with as well. They want to keep the I, reign going. And, and like I said, I think we need more long-term champions. I and she does she, have the popularity to be a long-term champion. I'm not saying this as she, as like, it's prom because she won. It's more of like, they never got out first gear for me. They just kind of, like, like, for example, look at the match you're about to talk about, they went first gear, second gear, third gear. They, they went all the way and they gave us a memorable WrestleMania match while Shayna and Becky just kind of, it felt like it, it needed another five minutes, another five to eight minutes. Well, the thing is, I think the Becky Shayna story isn't, It's not over without yeah, was Yeah, that that particular rivalry isn't over yet. Whereas the Charlotte Rhea Ripley thing, what I think is happening is Rhea's probably gonna go to the main roster soon. And then Charlotte's going to NXT to elevate the women's division there and like eventually make another star. Yeah, and not only that, but I think Becky Lynch versus Shayna Baszler is probably going to be a, a more. They want it to be more long term feud, and if yeah. you and if you give them the blow off match, the the if that's what if that's the intention, then a longer match would be you know in many people's eyes would have been a blow blow off match regardless. And also look at it this way: if they got a short, if the fact that they have a shorter match, you want more. It did leave you wanting more. I think and, the problem. You know, I mean, you got, I mean, that's not the worst thing in the world. I think my problem is I don't trust OWB to make good decisions. Well, yeah, but you also got to give them a chance to make the, a good or bad decision first. We can't – as much as, as – and believe me, Wade, I agree with you on that one. We have all been burned I don't know how many times. Yeah. But we still have to give them the opportunity to still be able to – we have to remember that even though we have been burned, they do have the opportunity and the ability to make the right decision. It's whether or not they choose to do it. But we can't just automatically shit on it because we think they're not going to. We need to, like, I think we do. I'm, I, I, you know me. I'm not always the let's wait and see what happens kind of guy. But I think this is one of those cases where I really think it would be in everyone's best interest to, like, let's see where this goes. Because who knows? They could build up to have, like, one of the best few women's wrestling feuds in the history of pro wrestling, you know, and – Probably wouldn't have had the same momentum if they would have just had the competitive match and then somebody beat them. You know what I mean? The thing, my biggest issue is I just had high expectations and I was let down a little bit. That's it. It wasn't, it was not bad match. It was just didn't live up to what I thought it was going to be. I guess I treated it as like it's Becky Lynch. They're treating her like she's the female, the, the, the face of the female, the women's division. I just felt like she was going to have... I thought this was one of the big marquee matches, but it was like third match. And it, you know what I mean? It just didn't seem like a big marquee match. Well, and, and and you know, it's like... 
crap, I forgot where I was going with that. I had it, I had it, and it fucking slipped out of my mind. I'll come, I'll come well, back to well, it. But Charlotte, but let's get to Charlotte and Rhea because I think we're, I think we're, that match was unbelievable. Before that, the kickoff had Liv Morgan wrestle a nothing match with Natalia and one. Yeah, I was gonna. That's why I, I didn't even want to. I didn't even want to go into that. that one. Didn't matter at all. I'm gonna mention it in case someone's like, you didn't mention Liv Morgan because she, you know, because everyone loves Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan. Fuck she's Liv Morgan. Fuck Natalia. She's supposed to be in the Sister Abigail Wyatt family. You know, people like Liv Morgan, so oh, we have to. Oh. Oh, so there's a new one now. So now everyone's got. So now people have gotten off Liv Morgan being Sister Abigail. Now people want Nia Jax to be Sister Abigail. What? What? Why? I've been seeing a couple people posting about wanting her to be the sister, be Sister Abigail, and now. Right. And I'm like, or how about this? How about Sister Abigail just be the name of his finisher? We already have Abby the Witch Puppet. Like, let it go. Daniel is not supposed to be a real person. It's a figment of his imagination. Either way, they're just sh- it's 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 dead. It's we have the fiend now. We don't we don't. He was cleansed of of Sister Abigail from the Lake of Reincarnation. Well, also he also kind of lost her when Randy Orton burned his cabin down. And uh, I don't know. It's just it's just something that I I think people need to get off of. But yeah, so Charlotte and Rhea had a really just unbelievable women's match. Like I. I, I, it's one of those matches that's probably not going to be talked about as much in the future, given the whole empty arena, your know, performance center situation. If this one happened in the stadium, I think this would go down as one of the top five best women's wrestling matches in WWE history. I'm going that far. I'll say this. Charlotte's pretty damn good at WrestleMania. I mean, her and Asuka probably is the best women's match I've ever seen at WrestleMania. Yeah. <clears throat> And she goes on, and she has, well, I'll just say it, she has the best women's match of the entire weekend. This match was awesome. This match, uh, Rhea Ripley should get a lot of credit for selling that goddamn knee. I oh thought she God. was dead. The woman could sell a ketchup popsicle to a woman in white fucking gloves. And I like oh my that. God, every, every kick to that leg, you felt it. Even if you didn't see it, like just the, you felt the pain in her screams and in her face. And, and Charlotte, it, it, it's so what, weird when someone that tough and badass can get sympathy out of you. It's so crazy. And also Charlotte's like, you know, she acted like a shark seeing blood in the water, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, she she had a game plan. She let me put it this way: she definitely learned from her dad's cousins, the Andersons, on this night. Pick yeah. a body part and torture it. What do you think, Joe? I thought I thought it was a really good match. Like, um, it it was. I really enjoyed. Like, it was back and forth. They're making Rhea look to be. You know, on the same level as Charlotte, which I think is good. Um, you know, part of me's like, wow, Charlotte's got like, was it 10, 11 titles now? Yeah. But the other part of me is like, well, you know, I think what they're doing is like they're, you know, you, you make Rhea uh, an equal, bring her up to the main roster. And then you send Charlotte down to NXT to make the next person a huge star. 
Yeah, she is, like, because, you know, Shayna and Rhea are probably moving up, because they deserve to. But after, after that, there's no crown jewel of the women's division. There's no crown jewel of the NXT women's division. So you kind of need that thing to legitimize. Because, I mean, you have Io Shirai, sure. Mm-hmm. But, and you have Candice LeRae. But are they next level? You know, they can be, but they're not right now. I was going to say, that's something that I have, unfortunately, cannot cannot speak on. Um, I don't know. I've lost my soul for NXT. Like, don't get me wrong. I still watch the takeovers, and I still enjoy what I see. But it's just so hard to get invested in people who are going to get fucked up in the main roster. And I know, I, I know that's contradictory a little to what I said earlier about you have to give them the opportunity. And But the thing is, is like... I'm willing to give them that opportunity if, like, I hear reports and I hear fans saying, like, oh, dude, so-and-so made it to the main roster. If I, When I'm hearing that, like, people from the main roster are, com- are coming up to the main roster and they're having good runs and they're having good matches and it's respectable, then, yeah, I'm going to tune in and I, and I want to watch that person. But it's just – I just don't want – it's just hard to wait to, like – until I can – until someone can, till, can break through that, it's kind of just – it's, it's kind of hard for me. I feel like I'm wasting my time for somebody who's just going to be, you know, you know, chewed up and spit out on the main roster. And also B- B- Bianca Belair, which we'll mention, she's also going to be in the main roster. So they lost like three of the top three female wrestlers. Now, we don't necessarily know if she's on the main roster. She could have it could have just been a, it could have just been a case of because her, you know, it's her husband. I mean, and, you know, she, I was in town. I mean, she and was Austin, in. And Austin Theory was on the WrestleMania, but he's not an NXT. Like, it could just be a situation of like NXT transplants, not necessarily officially being on the main roster. I'm just saying because Bianca was in Royal Rumble and she's also at WrestleMania. I feel like she's made enough appearance this year to be NXT. I mean, yeah, yeah but Rumble. NXT was officially part of the Royal Rumble this year it wasn't like before where they were surprised it was a surprise because they were in nxt so i mean i mean at this point nxt kind of already is a third brand officially but i don't i don't know if it technically it like in the technical sense like fan wise i think so but i don't know how wwe themselves view it it might still be developmental for them i don't know i'm not i'm not there but charlotte won via submission uh, you know, it sucks that Rhea had a tap, but I mean, I hurt the thing, the fact that her leg was attacked the whole match and also yeah. shell like death, it makes like, oh, she tapped out understandable and doesn't really hurt her. Absolutely. Right. I mean, that's the thing when you, when you build it and it makes sense and you, you know, like, you know, like you go through that whole match and she's, I mean, let me put it this way. She didn't, Charlotte didn't just do a couple moves, kick to the face figure you know figure four and it was over no she had to work rita's legs to death before she was able to get her to tap and also with the figure four like she was struggling to get out of it but when charlotte did the figure eight uh transformation that was like it's like you know when kurt angle great finds the fucking leg on the ankle lock that that's it And she didn't tap immediately, even when she got the figure eight in, like she, she still was in it for a little bit. Like you could, she definitely showed a lot of fight and she definitely showed like, you know, determination, but it just wasn't to be, I I'll tell you, there was a lot of great stuff in there. I, I, I think you remember, I'll think you'll remember me saying last, last night, Wade, 
I think Rhea Ripley has the best in American pro wrestling. I think Rhea Ripley has the best dropkick in pro in American pro wrestling. The only person in all of pro wrestling that has a better dropkick than her, in my opinion, is Kazuchika Okada. If we can get some kind of a dropkick contest between the two of them, I would I would like to see that. Yeah, I don't know how you grade a dropkick contest, but there it is. She's great. I mean, Rhea Ripley will be probably in the next maybe year or two. She will be the biggest wrestler, women's wrestler. In general, oh my God, she could. She, I mean, she could really. Here's the thing. She's. I think she's believable enough to where if they ever started doing intergender wrestling, I think. I think she could wrestle a guy and people would believe it if she won. Like if you get people like I believe it, but I I believe it anyway because I don't I don't have a problem with intergender wrestling in the slightest. But I'm saying, like, you look at you see how she works out. You see her 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 body type, her her appearance, how she wrestles. I could see her wrestling guys. Like I could see her her being one of the few women in today's wrestling landscape to win a man a men's title in WWE. And and she still fits. Like the problem with China is. Like China, she could wrestle the guys, but she never really fit in with the women. You know what I mean? Yeah. As wrestling, but Rhea could do both. And also, Rhea, you know, we know I'm excited if she's on the main roster because we know that her and Shayna will have great matches. We know I can I my brain is not ready for her versus Asuka. You know, her versus it would be a very interesting match. You know, there's so many matches I want to see her in, and like. I have good faith, but not tonight was not her night. I did that in quotation. It, was, it wasn't her night as far as wins and losses, but as far as I'm concerned, I think this was her night in the sense of the performance. I mean, I think I think this match proved Rhea Ripley was is undeniable. This as is um, a wrestler. I would put this as like the night uh, was it Bailey went against Sasha, or not Bailey. Um, Becky Lynch went against Sasha for the uh, NXT women's title. And uh, Becky ended up losing. But it was like at that moment, boom, she's made a star. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree with you more, even though I'm not happy that Charlotte won. Like, I respect Charlotte as a wrestler, but I don't like the Charlotte character, like, you know, in a kayfabe sense. Because I'm a a kayfaber, guys. I watch my show. I like to watch the shows in kayfabe. Yeah. And, you know, I don't like I don't like Char- I don't like the Charlotte character, but I, 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 you know, she 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 put in the work. She put in on a good match. So, you know, I can't be too upset. Yeah. So the next match was another match that was a match that didn't have any build or any heat. Oh, is this uh, Alistair Black versus Bobby Lashley? And I will say this is the best match that had of, of the matches that don't have any build or any heat or anything that just randomly put together. I thought this was the better one of all of them. Yeah, yeah, this was definitely better than uh, Corbin and Elias. But also keep in mind, people actually people actually care about Eli- or, uh, Elias, Alistair, Alistair Black, and Bobby Lashley has genuine heat with people. You know, just. Being, you know, with Lana and everything. And also and that whole thing. So he's already got so at least he had people are inter- would be interested in seeing some somebody beat up Bobby Lashley. And people are interested in Alistair Black because he's he's great to watch. And as I and as I said in the last episode, you know, just a great opportunity to see two black men just wrestle have a good wrestling match on such a big stage. 
you know, absolutely great for the black community. It's still not funny. Yeah. I don't Adam, our fr- friend of the podcast, Adam, thought it was hilarious. Scott, and so I don't care. Scott, here's the thing. He'll laugh at any joke you say. I don't care. It looked like a pity laugh. But anyway. You're, uh, just, you're just mad because he, he laughed. Uh, you're just jealous. But, but right now on the podcast, neither of us are laughing. Because um, you guys have no sense of humor. Uh, but Alistair, and also uh, I think you're trying to not to laugh. If we're gonna be, if we're gonna be honest. Anyway, the match, you know, I didn't. Th- it's one of those things like I never would have imagined Bobby Lashley, someone like like his build, fighting Alistair Black. So it was kind of like a unique matchup. And also, I never yeah, seen Bobby Lashley. Guy little guy matches like- tend to be really good. Huh. I said big guy and little guy matches t- do tend to be really good because of the dynamic. Because, you know, Alistair's only face, aside from those two abysmal matches with Eric Rowan, uh, you've only seen him fight. And NXT guys are pretty much smaller guys, right? They're, they're not like of yesteryear, like how Bobby Lashley looks. Yeah, and I think that the reason for that is given, like, the fact that his finishing move is, you know, of essentially a spinning back kick. Yeah. I think they wanted guys who like 100% like, you know, if you, if all it took was one kick, you believed that okay. it, it made sense in belief. Well, if you, if you did that to Bobby Lashley, I don't think, you know, like if he tried to beat him in one kick. I think people would call bull, would cry bullshit. And then Bobby Lashley, he doesn't really fight people like Alistair black, like a shoot fighter, you know, kind of gimmick. He doesn't really do that. So it's an interesting, combo and i thought it worked and also i think you know the whole year i've been like you know between ricochet and alistair black because they were a tag team and they were split alistair black was doing nothing but ricochet was getting all the opportunity and at wrestlemania alistair black's the guy that gets it which i i think there's more money in alistair black than ricochet because i don't think ricochet has a personality absolutely that was the exact thing i was getting ready to say he has no personality. He's a great wrestler, and he can do amazing things. But he has – he just – I don't know. You put him on the mic, and it's just bland. I feel you like – it's funny because I think they should put a mask on him. Like, you know, I feel like Prince Puma was more over than Ricochet ever was. What does Prince Puma have to do with Ricochet? Wasn't he Prince Puma? What are you talking about? Prince Puma was a young man from Boyle Heights. Oh, God damn. Who, who idolized the, the stars of Lucha Libre of yesteryear. Ricochet is a guy who does double flip moonsaults and 630 splashes and from wherever the fuck. Fingers yeah, Ricochet doesn't wear a mask. Ricochet never wore a mask. What are you talking about? I think Ricochet was dead in water when they added the little Ricochet sound effect. Yeah. I'm just saying, now Wade, since you brought it up, Ricochet versus Prince Puma, I think that would be a very interesting match. Yeah. Similar styles. You know, and also this also shows it also didn't hurt Bobby because Bobby was like he had it one. His his eye was not on the prize anymore because of Lana. Uh, She's like, do this, and it's like I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna slap my butt, and I'm gonna do this move, and yeah. And and you got two guys with legitimate fighting backgrounds too. So I mean, it it, it was a case of 
Alistair Black definitely comes off as the kind of guy who, like, he may not have the size to dominate, but he has the technique and the skill to be able to chop the tree down, to, you know, piece by piece. And I think Alistair Black, I mean, I personally think that, like, he is, he could be one of your big stars if they fucking stop putting him in fucking squash matches all the time. He could be yeah. one of those stars. I mean, like, you need someone to fill that, that kind of alternative side of the audience that likes, you know, like, you know, people that love CM Punk, a good example. Because he likes the punk rock, like the tattoos. I, Alistair I, Black likes the black metal and, you know. I think Alistair fills your Kane Undertaker uh, audience. Yeah. You know, because you don't have Kane or Undertaker nearly as much. Yeah. I think Alistair Black fits that niche really nicely. Um, I mean, he's got the strikes that Undertaker always uses. Yeah. And, I mean, this match was surprisingly, like, real good. Yeah. For, like, no build just thrown together, you know, you have Bobby Lashley who's about to win with the Dominator and Lana tells him, no, I want he, I want you to spear him. And that's what costs him the match. Yeah. And even did the... I, I like yeah. that. And I, I like, um, like, I've been saying since I saw the first entrance Alistair did on NXT, I was like, there's money right with this guy, no problem. Like, just don't F it up. <laughs> And the beauty of Aleister Black, he has the mystique of, like, an Undertaker and Kane, but he's not hokey supernatural. He doesn't right. anything or anything like that. He looks like a legitimate badass that has darkness in him. Doesn't have just to teleport. Need, yeah. Just need to drop the fucking, pick a fight with me. They drop need to stop me. doing that. Like, it's so tough. Why does he go out looking for a fight? Uh, he, they gotta drop the creaking sound effect on him because yeah, like, that's the uh, other thing that's really weird. They they just started adding that. This is a million dollar company, and they can't invest like they can't invest with non squeaky boards to raise them up. I mean, that makes no sense to me. No, they added and add it. It's not. It's not yeah, saying like creaking, babe. You mean to tell me they can't afford? He's always being raised up on a creaky board. They can't get. I like a board that doesn't creak. They can't put any, like, you know, grease in that thing. I'm about to say, just get a can of WD-40. There we go. Bada bing. Well, hopefully yeah. this match leads to the eventual breakup of Lana and Lashley. Hey, quick, quick sidebar. Going back to our thing about Ricochet. Since we're kayfabing, um, you know when Ricochet, it does little Ricochet noises? Who's shooting at Ricochet and missing every time? Shooter McGavin. It's a guy from uh, Billy Madison. Shooter McGavin. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Um, I'm sure glad I called that guy. Um, <laughs> next match was the most heartfelt match. Uh, oh. Otis versus Dolph Ziggler with Sonya Deville. Uh, we all was- pretty much know that the hacker is going to be Ollie. I was like, who is it? And Scott's like... I still think it's going to be R-Truth, because it keeps saying truth, truth. I still think it would be funny if it was actually R-Truth. When you said Ali, I was like, yeah, because that light, that the circle light symbol, Ali's been rocking that for like a year. Yeah. You're talking about Mustafa Ali? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he got the Mustafa back. Like on, like, I don't know if it's on like on his chest or in here, Like he has that, that bunch of lights that make a circle. And that's the hacker logo. Yeah, it's um, 
It's what they wanted Solomon Crow to be. Yeah, and they failed miserably. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, uh, this match is, like, the match itself is incredibly average. It's, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's, it's a raw story, match. But it, the story and the build, like, it's so well done. You're like, why can't you guys do stuff like this all the time? Yeah. It felt like 80s WWE, like golden era 80s WWF back in the day. Yeah, George Steele. Yeah. It's basically like if you if George Steele and the Macho Man were one being and they earned the love of Miss Elizabeth. Uh, I, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. I also liked Otis's gear. It kind of reminded me of – Joe, I know you would probably remember this uh, better – do you remember like the late eighties, early nineties version of the rock and roll or rock and roll, the midnight express of uh, Stan Lane and Bobby Eaton and where they had the matching tights where it was like, it would be like um, one color and then two stripes. Uh, it would either be two stripes down the side of Bobby Eaton's pants or the mm-hmm. same color stripes along the back of Stan Lane's tights. Okay. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? A little bit. It kind of reminded me of that. I got a sweet stand vibe from Otis's uh, tight. It's simple. Well, like I thought it um, I yeah, I agree. Like the match wasn't all that exciting from a technical standpoint, but from a story perspective, I thought it was really good. I like you know I like the. the I love the I love uh, Sonia siding with Ziggler because she doesn't want. Him to, or she doesn't want Mandy to be with Otis. But I was saying during the group chat last night, I think it would be really funny is if um, Dolph and Sonya became a, like a pair now. And like um, Dolph keeps trying to ask Sonya out, but she keeps turning him down because she's a lesbian. But not in like a douchey, like him trying to convert her way. Just like he forgets, like yeah. uh, like like Jim Brewer in uh, uh, um, Half-Baked. Right. Yeah. When she's like, you want to go out sometime? I'm a lesbian. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah just like Dolph Ziggler's like just like caught up in the in the chemistry and teamwork they have. And he's like, you know, we'd make a great couple. And she's like, um, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a lesbian. I that's what it's, I'm a lesbian. It's, it's not. Oh, it's, that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's not about the match. It's about the moment at the end. Absolutely. So yeah, so Otis gets the win with the Caterpillar after Mandy Rose comes in, beats up Sonya, hits Dolph Ziggler square in the dick, like full of, like you couldn't have asked for a better nut shot. Hits the Caterpillar and he wins and leaves with Mandy Rose in his arms. Uh, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better ending to that match, I think. Can you imagine, like, I hate, I hate to do this because of the circumstances, but could you imagine... The crowd noise. Oh, dude, there'd be tears. There would have been tears in that match. I think people would have been like that when when, it would have been like WrestleMania 7 when Macho Man and Liz reunited and you cut that one person, the glasses, like. They cut to that one woman that's like, you know, got like, like, she's like, her face is all red. They just cut to her. Dude, I would be real. It would have made new edges in the crowd, man. It would have made new edges. Well, speaking but of edges, I, I really, I really enjoy that match. But yeah, so what were you saying, Wade? Speaking of edges, the next match was the last man standing match, and this is the match that killed my mood. This was <laughs> the- drained. This match drained me. 
they could have cut ten hours off this match, and it'd still be too hours. It'd still be too long. I understand they're trying to make a Wrestle Kingdom. It's forty minutes, but this match was a brawl that could have been cut out twenty minutes of it. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a doozy. It's not a bad match. It's just it's a doozy. Like it's you could. This is like a Triple H match. You could have taken a lot out of this one. My biggest my my biggest gripe with it was I just think they spent way too much time in the gym area. Like I like it started off really cool with Randy Orton disguised as a cameraman, seek attacking yep. Edge. Now Wade and I Wade and I have were asked this question, and I hope the answer is yes. Does this mean that Randy Orton was manning the camera the whole night? just for the sake of this run-in. I know he te- probably didn't, but I want to believe that Randy Orton was one of the actual cameramen filming this show tonight up until his match. That would have been... Yeah, that'd be fun. Um, but yeah, it started off really good. Yeah, you the know? two RKOs in a row, and Edge is like pretty much fighting just to stay alive at that point. Yeah, like he... Just like to he start the match. But I just, I just thought they spent too much time in the gym. Like I think halfway through the time in the gym, I'm just like, come, come on, guys, go somewhere else, do something else. I, I even said like I thought that was where they were gonna stay. I, I kept calling it a Planet Fitness death match. <laughs> well, I, well, there's a couple spots I really liked. Um, in the first Ben spot where they, where Randy Orton no. wrapped them up in the gym equipment. No. That's no. what people are calling it. Like, I, I like, know. Picture, it was like it was that spot, and they wrote watches dark. The first episode of Dark Side of the Ring once. Yeah. The the there's the goofy. There's also that goofy like swing off the bar. The like, elbow drop where he sits on Randy in the chair. Oh, I oh, oh that one where he did he did like a, a a swinging flying deck to the face. Yeah, yeah. No, I no. What I really liked was the sled. The sled spot. Oh, when Randy like shove like pushed the big ass or the 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 thing into the lockers. Yeah, basically he's gearing to hit Edge in the fucking like face with the sled, and Edge jumps out of the way. Like I like that spot a lot. Um, but yeah, we could have. Yeah, we could have like skipped the gym for the most part. Like the office part was cool where. Like, uh, they oddly have the chain link fence above the table, but it works out. <laughs> we can get an elbow drop out of it. Um, and then the and the garage, like, that would have been the first thing I said to cut time out, but when you guys said the gym, it makes sense. Because the garage, like, the, the, the garage additional... Yeah, the additional storage, it's you're worn out by this point. <laughs> As as much as they are, so yeah. To me, and the like, that's where I first thought help. cutting time. Yeah, the commentary did not help. They were like, it was just like somber Owen voices throughout most of this match. Like there was nothing to get you hype or or to like grab onto. It was like the match was getting too long, but the commentary was like making it worse. Like yeah. if the match is feeling a little long, but the commentary's with it and making you excited, it can kind of give you that second win and make you like, all right, fuck yeah, we're gonna keep going with I, this. But when the commentary's dull as shit, and then you've got a match that's kind of draining you, it's not a I good know, combo. I know what they were trying to do, 
But it was one of those things where it's like, I, I don't know if the combination really works in this setting. Where they're trying to be like, I can't believe how depraved these guys, like how far these guys are willing to go to hurt each other. Like, you know, as if they never seen this from Edge or Randy Orton. Uh, yeah. Which they referenced before. They're like, we know how crazy they'll get. Like, well, I think part of it, I think the story that they're really trying to tell that I think gets lost sometimes is the idea that they're still technically friends. Like, right. and, the, and like, you know, it's kind of one of those Orton's doing what he's doing, not because he hates Edge, but because he actually cares about him. And Edge, like, it, it's like, Scott. he doesn't, he's still, he, like, he's still, you, like, he's showing he still cares about Randy Orton. He just hates what he has to do. And he's conflicted about a lot of the things that he ha- feels he has to do. You know, like especially like at the very end was like the ultimate culmination of of that uh, that emotion. It's it's and the I right. Was, that was the part. I like the finish a lot. I like the finish a, t- a whole lot. Yeah, I oh oh, lest we forget the draping DDT from the from the from the on the truck. Mm-hmm. That was pretty fucking interesting. And Orton finally spiked someone. Yeah, and it has to be Edge. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, but one but, thing one thing that um one one thing that we did not mention was my favorite spot of the whole match. It was when they were fighting through the hallway, they get to the boardroom and Orton's laying on the big the big desk and he when he cl- he climbs on the little little like it looked like little like lighting rigs like they have in the wrestling yeah, ring but, but no, I brought it up. it's a chain link fence. Yeah, he climbs up it and then he just drops an elbow right over top of Randy Orton. Yeah. I really yeah. love that. Yeah, I brought that it's one up. Necessary. He could have literally just stood over Randy and dropped an elbow. But he's like, no, I'm going to climb this little thing, shimmy my way down, and drop the elbow. Yeah. You know, wrestling, you got to be a little extra sometimes. Yeah, and, like, that was the thing. Like, I will hey, say, by the way, there I'm surprised there was a match where they did, as you put it, extra, and I think it needed it, and it felt right. Like, I don't think anything they did felt, like, too ridiculous or over the top which may have been an issue. It may have been to its detriment, but I mean, it still felt within the realms of realism. I thought you, you forgot also forgot, you, you forgot to mention that Randy wore pants for a little bit. He had long pants. For, it you know, was only for, but it was only to disguise himself as a cameraman. You also yeah, but he also important detail on that desk. It was a solid steel desk. Oh, yes, it was a steel desk. Joe, I've heard many steel things in wrestling, but a steel desk. Like, seriously, in professional wrestling, does wrestler do wrestlers only know one type of metal? Or do they specifically get everything made of steel? Well, I mean, the announcers think everything is steel. Even the spray-painted ladders. I'm also I'm so disappointed they did not do they did not do anything really with that big that big ass ladder that they had in there. Like Dude, I think it's I, a really, I think that's I, a really poor shot too because they go to Randy he's going towards the ladder. You think he's going to use the really big ladder, but then he grabs two chairs that were off camera. And I was just like I really think they should have moved that ladder or like not had that ladder in the shot yeah, because <laughs> it was so disappointing when he didn't use it. Yeah, it's like a thirty foot ladder though. It's like a Shane McMahon spot. Like like maybe build a bridge or something. 
Even if they didn't use it, at least like he do, do something with it. But it was just it just it was just one of those things where it's not a it's never a good idea to like shoot something that like in theory could be used as a weapon and not use it. That's what I'm saying. They probably should have just like not had the ladder in the shot at all. I wouldn't have put the ladder in there if they weren't going to use it. But that's that's just my opinion. I mean, but, where uh, can you Randy put a, Orton, like a thirty foot ladder? <laughs> yeah. So Randy Orton, he uh, he eats a concerto, a one man concerto, cannot answer the ten count, and Edge wins the grudge match. And just the look of pain and shame, and like just it's like he's feeling all the emo- every emotion you could possibly feel in one moment. Yeah. You know. Like you could like, like you could definitely tell he does not like what he had to do. He does not. Edge is not cool with what he had to do to get the win. I mean, like, you know. But again, he had to do it. Part of me, you know, wonders like exactly how safe it is for him to be back. But for him being back, he's like immediately one of the best performers just in total. And the fact that he is back, I hope like kind of ripple effects and makes everybody better on the show. Cause you, you get moments like that where he's, you know, crying at the end of the match. Uh, the match is a little long, but you know what? Edge is back. That's all that matters. And Randy Orton looked like he tried. Yeah. I mean, I mean, usually I, I, have accused Randy Orton of phoning it in and I don't in, in the past. And I personally think this is, he gave as good a performance in this kind of match. I think anybody could ask out of them. I feel yeah. like, He's only good if he has something he can sink his teeth into creatively, and I think he really, because Edge was not on Raw most of the time, so Randy had to carry it himself, and I think he did a good job. No, I 100% agree. What? And he got his comeuppance. He did. He did. In a very fitting way. So, yeah, we go from that match to the Raw tag team match, which had no heat. It's the, the last match that has no heat and no build. Um, Austin Theory teaming with Angel Garza, both making their WrestleMania debut, versus Street Profits, who's also making their uh, WrestleMania debut. And I'm, the match- lie, I'm not going to lie. I, I remember nothing from this match other than the end. Yeah, same. I don't even know, I don't even know how they won the match. I don't know who got pinned. Uh, Montez Ford, like, does a uh, frog splash when Angelo Dawkins has Austin Theory, um, like, down. And then, like, in the nick of time, Angelo Dawkins, like, pins him. While Angel Angel Garza's out of the ring. Well, thank God someone here remembered that match. I, I mean, it, it's you can barely remember it, but yeah, it's something like that. Yeah, yeah. the le- the next two matches after that la- at last man standing match, I don't remember a whole lot from them. Like I was just absolutely drained from that match. Yeah, um, but the uh, one thing I remember yeah, this from- is very much a cool down match. Yeah, but the one thing I do remember from this match is at the after the after the match, Zelina Vega comes in, her theory and guards are like beating down the street profits, and then uh, Bianca Belair shows up and starts cleaning the house. I believe she hits Zelina Vega with the kiss of death yep. as yeah. well. Yep. 
So, you know, <laughs> it, it, I mean, it was a nice way. It was a nice. It was a nice thing to do, and it was nice seeing you know husband and wife teaming up. Yeah, um, uh, Street Profits win the titles. Back, they keep the titles cool. Moving on. Yeah, I mean, this match would have been a little better if Andrade was there. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, so, not much the, you can really do. Yeah, the next match was the SmackDown Women's Championship match. It was I had to look up who was in the fucking match. Bailey, it Sasha, Bailey. It was Bailey, Lacey, Sasha, yeah. Lacey, uh, Tamina, and Naomi. Uh so All Dana right. Brooke was originally supposed to be in, and this is supposed to be a five-way match. Originally, before instead of Tamina, it was supposed to be Dana Brooke. Dana Brooke was sick or something, and she couldn't show up. Uh, so then we used to think, just make it a four-way. Like a normal match. Like a normal match is usually a three-way or a four-way. No, man found out you could put five people in a match. He, he fell in love with the five-way. Uh, uh, well, Tamina was at it, which... You got Vince going, oh, wait, Tamina still works here. <laughs> and she's a veteran. She's been here for 10 years, but she's still terrible after 10 years. And still can't do a fucking splash to save her goddamn life. I don't understand this fascination with Tamina. This match did not need Tamina. If anything, adding Tamina took away from the match. Also, I guess I zoned out. She didn't botch anything. I did not know. This was an elimination match. Yep. So when Tamina was pinned, I was like, oh no, they're all doll piling. That means we're going to have multiple champions. It's going to be, who's the champion? Who knows? And then it was, Tamina was eliminated. And I'm like, this match is still going. This match was, to me, the, the biggest stinker in my mind. Like, it just went nowhere. The match well, was Bailey versus Sasha. Yeah, the the story is Bailey and Sasha, and how long is their friendship gonna last? Yeah, wouldn't it be better if they just had, they just had a match. Um, I think you could have done a four way, and it would have been just as effective. Sure, you could have done a three way and just had Lacey Evans, Sasha, and um, Bailey. Well, I think um, the idea is. I think they. I, I would say. I, I partially agree. I would say a four-way because I think deep down the idea is they want to plant seeds, but they don't really want Bailey and Sasha to like interact physically all that much. Right. So I, I, I think it was, I think they did it the way they should. I think this, I think this is probably going to build to a match between Bailey and Sasha at SummerSlam. Probably. For the, yeah. for the title. But, um, um, and I, it would good. be a good. I think it would be, and, I, and you know, the thing is, we know they can put on fantastic matches together. Good news. Yeah. Lacey Evans wasn't bad. No, no, she was yeah, not. She actually, she she helped carry the match for a long time. I'm gonna be real. I I don't think a single woman in this match did a bad job. I think you just have a case of a. There was no way it was gonna top Charlotte and uh, Rhea Ripley. B. No. You're coming off of the emotionally and physically draining, depending on you know how you felt about it. Last man standing match that was so much so that even a match prior couldn't you couldn't recover from. You know, they did have some things working against it, but all and things considered, I don't think it was a bad match. I just think it fell 
But it's also got it that just obvious underwhelming sort. based on where it was. It also has that obvious like we have five women in this match, but we know the story is between two, maybe three. And and you're watching it and you're like, okay, we just need to get these other eliminations out of the way. Yeah, this, I don't think anyone thought Tamina was winning. This match was 19 minutes and 20 seconds. Did it need to be this long? No. Well, I mean, you do remember, you do have more than one person in the match. So, I mean, theoretically, it was a case of not having one long match. It was more like having a bunch of mini matches, if anything. Yeah. I mean, you spend about 10, like almost 10 minutes trying to get rid of Tamina. Yeah. So, like I said, you cut her out. I think it does the match wonders. And you, you, know can focus, you can focus on the story of Bailey and Sasha. Yeah, which it should have been that hard. All they oh, had to do was pull a Nancy Argentino on her ass. Yeah, instead of, you know, you know, the first part of that match is all, like, they got to figure out a way to get rid of Tamina because she's the powerful veteran. She's the threat to win. Yeah, like... Whatever. It's the same yeah, story yeah, so, uh, ever Rumble where the big guy gets teamed up on. Yeah, so basically the match ends where... So Sasha got eliminated by uh, an, uh, a rebound women's right from Lacey. Lacey pinned Sasha's. Bailey did not did not bother to help Sasha get out of, out of it. So it's down to Bailey and Lacey. Sasha at one point comes in, hits the backstabber on uh, Lacey. Bailey hits whatever that move she's been using lately is, that like that like face buster move that she does. Bailey cool. hits that to retain the belt with Sasha's help, um, which I think they're definitely planning the seed. Like I think like it's going to be like one of those things where it's like I wanted to make sure – that you know that you kept the belt because because you know like winning the title is going to mean something but beating you for it is going to make it all the sweeter you know what i mean well, that, i think that's they, what they're doing and they plant that seed with bailey the way she looks at sasha not believing that sasha came out and helped her yeah no i i agree i think they're the because seed bailey knows she messed up yeah so the next match was the the piped up Firefly Funhouse. Um, I do have uh, I do have something pulled up that gives you basically point by point little references that happened on the Firefly Funhouse. Uh, I'll just go through it and then you just chime in on you know the different segments and what you liked and stuff like that. All right, go ahead. Uh, so John Cena comes in to the Firefly Funhouse and you know you have all the the Muppets, the Muppets, the puppets are like, go in here. And he goes in there in a dark room and it ends up being like his Vince McMahon shows up as Ruthless Aggression and they uh, do I debut. You, I believe you mean Mr. McBossman. Mr. McBossman. Um, and then, you know, we cut into Cena's debut and he's wearing the fucking tights. Yeah, I, I liked. It was something weird about seeing modern day Cena in the old school tights that I'm like, it, it's like it's, it's so the surreal. But at the same time, it was a, it's a good look for him. It's the hair that throws you off. Yeah. yeah. Everything else, he looks exactly the same. Yeah. 
And I also love how, like, you know, they're kind of doing the ruthless aggression, like, slap, but he misses. Yeah, Bray's manipulating the memory, which I really like. Yeah, and, I, and the fact that he basically, like, word for word is doing the Kurt Angle promo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also and, love this is back. Yes, yes. Thank God they brought, they still have the fist. And then uh, at some point, when he keeps, when Wyatt keeps ducking, he says, "You can look, but you can't touch." Yeah, that's, I love that. I did not catch that. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, so that's like uh, I guess one of the last times. Gee, uh, I wonder ducks. what that means. <laughs> yeah, he, he ducks one of the. It's one of the very last times, and he's like, "You can look, but you can't touch." Uh, and then we end up with we get to a new commentary team. With Macho Mercy and Mick Bossman. Mr. Mick Bossman. <laughs> yeah. Mick Bossman. And you're like, oh my God. I and even then, like the fact that they did a Firefly Funhouse version of like the little toppers that they put on the announce table. Yep. I thought that was a nice little touch as well. Uh, and then and then we end up on a Saturday night's main event. Yeah, this was weird for me. Um, I didn't quite this is the part. This is probably the one, one of the very few parts that like kind of loses me in this match. I think what loses me is when John Cena is openly kind of like they're not like John Cena's like not like fighting Bray. He's like his partner. He's actually Johnny Large Meat is what yeah. he's called, and you're just like. He's in on the joke. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like he wasn't well, no, struggling here. No, no, no. It's, I mean, Bray's manipulating all of this. Like, it's supposed to be like. They're almost making Bray a uh, Freddy Krueger. Where you're in this dream realm and he can manipulate it as how he wants. Yeah. Now, he's bringing out John Cena's greatest fears. I just don't know how the Saturday Night Main Event. Um, I think it's mostly, to it. I think it's I think, mostly, I think I think the only reason they did it was to make the Vince the uh, Mr. McBossman puppet on commentary make some kind of like storyline sense. I think it's yeah, mostly I that's it. I think it's to kind of like say like you know John Cena makes fun of Bray for like Husky Harris. You know he makes the later who makes the Husky Harris joke. But the whole idea of the muscle man dance, how you need the big muscles, and John Cena has the muscles and he's doing the lifting. I feel like that's like a reference to, kind of a reference to muscle man dance from a long time ago and to the obsession of big giant muscles. I also like when John's like, like per- perpetually lifting the weights, like they, yeah. like all the cuts. And the, I think, I don't know if they cut to Mr. McBossman, but I know they cut to Abby the Witch, like, yeah. I just thought that was funny as hell. And then his arms I don't do. work. And I think you could have tied that into John's career when he tore he tore his pec muscle. Yeah. Like to me, yeah. like that you could have tied it in better. You know it reminded I mean? me of the scene in Kung Pao when he's fighting uh when he's fighting Betty for the last time and he's got like the alien powers and he, he like he paralyzes his shoulders so he can't like he he just swings his arms at him. Yeah. Yeah, like that's yeah. what it made me think of. I instantly was like, "It's a paralyzer." Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Also nice to see the blue cage. Yes. That I, was I, I, I am almost a million percent sure that most of that was filmed in the WWE warehouse. Oh, yeah. Oh, probably. Uh, yeah, I feel like they didn't even move the, the fist. It was just on the ground. Um, and then we get back to the, the, the fist area. Uh, the, the doctor of thugonomics, right? The doctor of thugonomics. Uh, you know, he may, he basically starts doing his rap about Husky Harris and shit like Wait, that. He could only speak in rhymes. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I saw that one coming. And I thought that was a good touch. Yeah. He I was like, okay, I'm back on board. And, and, you know, he calls John Cena untouchable. You know, so you think you're untouchable. Uh, I do like how Wyatt... Kind of. This is where it's starting to make sense to me after rewatching it a second time because we were watching this on Skype and people were talking and be like, "What the fuck?" I couldn't really understand what was going on. Watching it a second time, this is where I start figuring it out. Where Bray's like, "You're using words and you just bully people. You just make jokes about him." And he's like, "Well, John Cena does make jokes and Photoshop jokes and makes fun of people's appearances. He did say Cesaro had pepperoni nipples." You know what I mean? Like, he does... Oh, not the point. He does break... He does do these childish kind of, like, like jokes on people to break them down. And he's done oh, that God, his- don't have The Rock show up. Yeah. <laughs> but, and- yeah, I see where you're getting at. And, and it's also... Like, he's just kind of breaking... He's breaking John Cena down. I like the little touch. He's wearing the Yankees uniform. Yeah. Um, which is a callback to the CM Punk. Um, promo. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The one where he, oh, the one where he brought back the Doctor of Thugonomics. Yeah. It's the no, one where CM Punk says outfit from it. Yeah, no, it's it's the one where CM Punk, his promo, he says, "John, you're not the Boston Red Sox anymore. You're the New York Yankees." Yeah. Oh, oh that one. Well, no, but like there was a there was a promo. I think it was like last year or two years ago when he brought back the Doctor of Thugonomics gimmick for one yeah. oh, oh, night. Um, I th- I think it, actually I think it was WrestleMania. Yeah, it was last WrestleMania, I think. Yeah. or something, or a little b- building up to it. Because he wasn't you know, really he on the show. Same Yankees jersey, that same app, everything. Um, they're also uh. Bray Wyatt uses, like, uh, the chain to hit John Cena. And I did not get it, but on this uh, this reference here, it's a callback for when Carlito used the same tactic to beat Cena for the United States Championship. This was the first time anyone has ever beaten Cena for a championship. Yep. So that, that was a nice little touch. Uh, and then we go back to old-school Bray Wyatt with the Hawaiian shirts. Um, I- I, I cried a little on the inside because I still miss this version of Bray Wyatt. As I much did, as I like the fiend and everything, I love this version of Bray. Yeah, this is like this is the central Bray before he turned into a crust punk. Um, there's also nice like apparently in the background there's multiple sheet masks that were worn mm-hmm. for, by Eric Rowan the multiple iterations of it. Like mm-hmm. I also kind of like Bray in this like the the Hawaiian shirt with the dreads. Yeah, it felt weird a little at first, you know, but, like, I, I, I do agree. I, I, I like it. Yeah. And in this reference into the the WrestleMania 30 match, which Bray references that, like, this this 
changed the trajectory of me. And I agree. He really did Bray did not recover from this John Cena match. Um, I mean, we called call, that at the time. They called John Cena Super Cena. And they referenced the steel chair moment. It's mm-hmm. like when John didn't swing. But this time he swings and misses. Um, and then we go into the most baffling part, in my opinion. The, the Nitro. It's actually not that baffling because I think the idea, the reason they use that is because they were they they toying with the idea of a Cena heel turn, and what better example of an ultimate good guy turning yeah. heel than Hulk Hogan? Yeah, yeah, he's, uh, yeah Scott's one hundred percent right. Yeah, Bray would definitely be uh, Wolfpack if we're being real. Well, well, here's the fun the thing, and I don't know if it was an intentional reference or not. But remember in the Bray, in the, the the Wyatt family portion of this, he said in the promo, I am red when everything else is black and white. So that's why I think he was wearing the Wolfpack version. Yeah. And then we get others are black and white. And we got the uh um God, what was that police drama? Uh it was referenced in South Park when it hits the fan. Oh uh uh NYPD Blue. WrestleMania went NYPD blue when they said, this is good shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, they, uh, they took that clip from McMahon. Yeah, I'll, I, I've never, I don't think they've ever said shit on WrestleMania. So this is the first. Yes. Oh, and also, there's a too sweet in there. Yes. I like how, how um, Bray does, like, the Scott Hall, like, kind of, like, yeah. like, Pointing, I love that. And it culminates to... The Hollywood Cena. It, cont- it goes into this montage of the failures of John Cena. Like, they show... Uh, that's good. They show the ECW One Night Stand. They show Edge beating Cena. They show Shawn Michaels beating Cena. They show Batista, Batista bombing. The Miz, uh, CM Punk blowing the kiss. Um, being defeated by The Rock, you know, Brock Lesnar beating him, stuff like that, you know. Uh, Undertaker beating up, squashing the fuck out of Cena. They're showing all the montage. I think it's like, this is a really good story of the John Cena career mm-hmm. and a dissection of it. And then, you know, he's beating up Cena while Cena, he's beating, Cena's beating up Bray or whatever. But it turns into, what's the fuck, Husky? Huskis, Huskis the Pig Boy. Huskus the pig boy as Cena sucks is playing behind and you're like, oh man, he's fucking losing it. Yeah. And then the fiend shows up and beats the fuck out of him. And then Bray splits into two pieces and counts the counts the fault the pinfall. Yeah, and then you're like, wait, so and then John Cena disappears and you're like, What? And then it comes to like, like I think people are, like, digging a little too deep into that. I think he literally just tra- teleported back into the real world. Yeah. I think that's I mean, he part of it. Into the funhouse. If it was the funhouse, he'd be a puppet. Yeah. Can we just agree? If I if you could sum up WrestleMania 36 in one word, teleportation. Yeah. <laughs> teleportation. Um, I think the other thing is it's – I think John Cena – I think the moment where he teleports out, like after Bray counts the pin, it's John Cena has been beaten by his own inner fears and insecurities. Yeah. Um, 
And, 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 and I, I, I believe that, that that's where that. they're going with the Fiend character. And the very end, the very last thing we see as we fade out is Titus O'Neil with utter shock and confusion. And, and you know what? If he hadn't been there for like a year and has no idea what's going on. That was uh, that's exactly what we're all thinking. I don't know what I just saw. It wasn't, to me, I can't judge it as a match. Yeah, it... <sighs> That's one of the reasons why, like, I I, have, I said after, right after it segment. happened, I thought it was entertaining as hell. I thought it was a really good segment, but I still think the Boneyard match was better than the Funhouse match. Simply be put, the, 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 that was a match. The Boneyard yeah. match was a match. I mean, there was fighting. There was, there was, like, wrestling moves. There wasn't just a move. There was moves. There was, you know... It, it, it was a it was a brawl, but it was still a, a match. It was still a fight. Whereas this one was just like a collection of segments, and then like occasional, you know, I, contact. I want to believe that there's going to be an actual match in a ring at some point between John Cena and the Fiend. Oh, there has to be. I, th- I think this was just a honestly. I think it's a brilliant segment. Yeah, this. I just don't think it, I just don't look at it as a match. I look at it as a as a a long I promo. I completely or a, or a yeah. I, I'll, I'll say you know I'll say I agree because it's not really a match. It's I mean you're literally playing with the laws of reality as the fiend, and there's no chance John Cena wins. No, this is. But I mean, like if they actually had like real like contact and actually had like some some wrestling psychology i would consider i would say it was better than the boneyard match Basically, but they didn't that was the thing there was no actual r- real wrestling in this match there was no brawling for the most part there was but, you know I, but i didn't disagree basically oh, I know. Bo- i'm just saying for those listening basically the boneyard match was a match the firefly funhouse match was a John Cena thesis paper. Yes. Um, which, which basically means art house nerds loved it. I, I feel like David Lynch directed this. Um, what, what is it? Those, uh, those Hungarian, Cena? those Hungarian cinematographers guys. Is that who made this? Hungarian film buffs like you wave. Speaking of Bulgarians, uh, Rusev was not at WrestleMania. Um, is he still on the roster? Um, though I, I kind of wish that Cena and Fiend had a match. Even if it was just a five-minute match of the Fiend destroying John Cena, I feel like that could have been better for Bray to redeem himself than this, but, you know. Well, I mean, it makes him right, you know? Like, that's yeah. the thing. It gave him so, a little bit of moral high ground as well as beating John Cena. It wasn't... He didn't just... Let me put it this way. He didn't just... Beach on Cena, he he crushed his spirit. There was a nice, there's a nice little touch. Apparently, uh, Bray Wyatt hacked John Cena's Instagram. I don't know if it's still like that, but I luckily took a screenshot. Basically, I'll show you guys. This is what his what his. Uh, cool, can't see it, Wade. Uh, hold on, I think it's because I did a stupid thing on. Yeah, here we go. You see it now. Oh, how it's just pictures of Bray Wyatt? It's just pictures of Bray Wyatt. Even do like some Husky Harris pictures. Like it, it's it's a nice little touch. 
I think they've changed it back recently, but you know. But that was a good segment to lead us into the main events. Drew, by God, McIntyre versus Brock Lesnar. Okay, Scott's least favorite match from night one. Yeah, I was going to say, if you basically, if you watch the Goldberg Braun match, it's the same thing, just maybe in a slightly different order. And uh, spam, 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 win. But I will say, I didn't think they had the balls. I did not think they had the balls to do the same exact match two nights in a row. Well, I did, because that's every Brock Lesnar match now, is just spamming finish. Like, seriously, it's like, when you, I, 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 I liken Brock Lesnar and Goldberg to uh, Goro and Kentaro from Mortal Kombat, because they're basically the same guy with a different coat of paint, and, you know, they do the same shit. Well, here's my, here's, here's where I'm going to justify my thought that they might not have done that with Brock. I know they've been doing it with Brock's matches, but that's also, like, half of those are with Goldberg. So, to me, I'm like, that's what you do with a Goldberg match. You can't have it go more than five minutes. I think about Brock is, he legitimately... legitimately and Brock can go for a longer match. And also with Brock is, you know, like, when he hits those finishers, they could be it. He does the German suplexes, he does the punches, the kicks... You know, Royal Rumble's a good example. Like, he was dominating. Goldberg is not dominating. He's just some old guy that can barely pick up someone for a jackhammer. I mean, that's not exactly where I was going. Is the fact that Goldberg can't do a long match. Like, he has to immediately do the finishers. Like, it, it's, a, it's an actual limitation, which is why it's, there's a problem using Goldberg now. Whereas Brock, like, he's intimidating and, like, he has believable strength to pull off those kind of matches. Yeah. But I think he had the ability to go. Like, like, like he could still have a longer match and it'd be a good match. I and think- I, I thought that's what they would do here is make this, you know, 10, 12 minutes of I think the back and him and Drew. But they, they the decided day, to do the same match they did with Goldberg. At the end of the day, these matches, whether it be the Lesnar matches or the match or the Goldberg match, at the end of the day, it all comes down to who wins. The match does not matter. All that matters is who wins. There and is like last night, I think the right guy won. I, I'm, I'm glad we're living in a world where Brock Lesnar and Goldberg are not holding championship yeah, belts. It's the big moments. There's one big moment in the match is when Brock hits that first F5 and Drew kicks out at one. I thought yeah, that was, was the first. It was the first move, and he's yeah. not Kofi Kingston, so. And then they do a cool thing where like he does another F5, and he then it's two. And you're like, okay, a third one, that's three, because one, two, three. Nope. And I thought that was interesting. He did, you know, Drew did the Claymore, but he did not... Brock didn't kick out of the Claymore. Like, he just said, fuck it, I'm just going to spam the Claymore over and over because he's been doing it through the build. He's been doing the Claymore, outsmarting Brock, and then he fucking does it, and he wins. And while there was no one, I guarantee you, like, the audience would have blew up. They would have just exploded. But it's one of those things, like, 
we I felt the energy when he won. You know what I mean? There's no yeah, one in this, this room. This is oh, better, I'm hella excited. Better match than than the Goldberg one. Yeah, I I felt like I felt the energy when Drew won, and that says something because it's empty arena. I think Drew's the guy. They've been okay. searching for Roman. They've been searching for Seth. They've been doing all these things, but I think at the end of the day, Drew was the guy. He's got the size. He's actually pretty charming. I mean, give me one reason why he couldn't. He's he's got a great redemption story. He was the no, chosen one. The he's the he's the right kind of guy who should be carrying that belt right now. And really I mean, like you said, he's got the look. He's got the talent. He's got the story. He's got everything going for him that I think a champion needs. Now all he needs is good opponents to defend against. And here's the thing: he could face Seth. He could face Kevin Owens. He could fight all kinds of people now that Brock Lesnar's not there. Um, you could also have the main, the, the rematch. You know, you can always build that match too. There's just so much, and also like after watching the Drew McIntyre, McIntyre, Drew McIntyre. It's like a chronicle, like our documentary of like from Royal Rumble to now, and he's like, you know. If I win, you know, I hope that takes people away from what's going on in the world. And I'm like, this fucking guy, this guy right here. And he's also the first UK um, WWE wait, champion. Wait, isn't Ireland part of the United Kingdom? Finn Balor was not WWE champion. Sheamus was. No, he's from Ireland, not Northern Ireland. I thought yeah. all of Ireland was still part of the UK. No. Which part is? Northern Ireland. Oh, he is, is that where? Uh, so he. Oh, okay. Okay, he's the first Scottish WWE champion. There we go. Okay, but he's not the first Scott it, Scottish world champion because we all know Scott Steiner was world champion first. They don't get more Scottish. WWE Championship is all that matters. The Universal Championship doesn't matter. In five years, it's going to be you. I'm so happy Braun Strowman is Universal Champion. I'm just saying, realistically, they had the World Heavyweight Championship, and then they'll have the Universal Championship. It's just eventually going to be the WWE Championship again. They're going to unify it, and then, you know. Well, yes, but all reigns under the Universal title, if unified, still count. It's true. Can't argue with that. Uh, but I'll say, don't give the title back to Brock, please. You can only do these. You can only do these WrestleMania. Someone beats Brock Lesnar moments so many times to where it's like it's not even important anymore. It's like yeah. the Undertaker now. Oh, dude, I did see the. They did like a first look on that the Last Ride series they're doing for him. It's gonna be good as shit. They yeah, cover- Kayla and I watched a little bit of it as well. Uh, she she's hyped for it. Like she's like, I want to watch that. It's only fourteen minutes. It's a first look. It's going through like they talk about his debut. They talk about the street. They talk about um, uh, it's, it's like 2017, 2020, like when they filmed. They talk about like how like he's broken down, and like they go Michelle McCool's like no one knows how much pain he's in. Like they're really like they're gonna go into depth of like why he's like he always like I. I wrestle WrestleMania, I wrestle as hard as I can because I don't want some young guy to see me and be like, why is he on the card and I'm not? He doesn't want to be like, 
He says one line. I'm like, oh my god, that's so like. He doesn't want someone in the crowd, like someone's dad, being like, I know he's slow now, but believe me, ten years ago he could go. And I'm like, that's fucking. That's that's really depressing. To hear Undertaker say that, but I think stuff like the Boneyard match is something that he needs. And yeah, he also no, looks- if every if every Undertaker match from now on is a Boneyard match, fucking pump that shit in my veins. And- and because of the Boneyard match, you could do a Sting match. Oh, Jesus. Sting you versus could. Undertaker in a Boneyard match. Yeah, Crow, Crow Sting versus Undertaker in the Boneyard match. You could, or, I'm or, down. Or just any, like, skit it. Because, you know, if, if Sting has a bad neck, you can easily shoot around that and do stunts. And there's so, and he has makeup, so you can easily just fucking do stunts. <clears throat> like, I think, you know, this Look could at how be- many Stings showed up in WCW. Oh my God! They could even get um, they could even get uh, Jeff Farmer to do the bogus thing. You could, and it, what's great about it is next year is if you do it next year, WrestleMania 37, Undertaker debuted at WrestleMania th- uh, seven. Thirty-seven WrestleMania thirty-seven in a row. That's gonna be the tagline, like you know, have WrestleMania Arg, WrestleMania Play Button, WrestleMania Star. WrestleMania in a row? That means, guys, that come come next year, there will be as many WrestleManias as ticks that for <laughs> that Veronica sucked. The only two, there's only two takeaways I have for WrestleMania is they did better than we thought what we thought they were gonna do, and they absolutely pulled it off. And the second thing is WrestleMania should be two nights from now on. I agree. I think two. I think even though this one ran a little longer, I think it was like closer to four hours. I think two three hour shows are are, are better than one eight hour show. I well, ten hours true. if you combine the, if the 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 way they do the pre shows. I feel like how they could do next year is how AEW is competing with NXT. You could do NXT Takeover on Wednesday. You could do. The, the Hall of Fame on Thursday, Friday you do SmackDown, and then Saturday and Sunday you do WrestleMania. Um, or how about I, do the Hall of Fame and and I well theoretically you could do you could do the Hall of Fame at, during the on on Friday and NXT on Friday. You could have the Hall of Fame be like during the day. Oh no 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 because some people gotta people gotta watch that shit. You got okay. Friday. Smackdown, though, that's the problem. You Maybe fine. do the Hall of Fame on Thursday night, yeah. do NXT on Friday night, and then WrestleMania Saturday and Sunday. You're not getting it. SmackDown is on Friday. Fuck SmackDown. But I'll say, if you want to compete with AEW, put fucking TakeOver on a Wednesday. Yeah. Okay. 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 Friday SmackDown, but okay, okay. Yeah. Here's I get where you're coming from. I keep forgetting that SmackDown's still. I keep thinking SmackDown's still on Tuesdays. Here's what I would do if you don't have like infinite flexibility for WrestleMania week. Um, even if you do two cards on Sunday, do like a morning card and an evening card. Yeah. Yeah. Or or here's an idea. Don't book so many goddamn matches, and then do it all in one night for like yeah, three or four hours. There's a, a bunch of matches that could have been like either cut or altered. 
But, like, you I know, it's WrestleMania. Think, they're going to do that. Like, I personally think... We didn't get obviously, Raw is never going to go back to two hours. But I think Raw should go back to two hours. I think pay- every pay-per-view that isn't a big four should be three hours. And then the big fours should be four hours. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I agree. All right. So, overall, overall, how do you guys... What, how would you rank... Co- Individually and combined, the two nights of WrestleMania, how would you grade them? Um, Joe, you go first. Yeah, uh, I would say I'll say like night one should get like a B minus. B minus C plus, and then night two should get like a C minus. Yeah, C minus D plus yeah, for for night two, and then I, overall I would make it just a C C grade. I'd say night one probably a A minus. I think it was a pretty good one, but Elias and Baron Corbin really did not help it. Um, and the Goldberg match didn't help it either. Night. Night one, I mean, sorry, night two, B minus, C plus. That Charlotte Rhea Ripley match really helped. All right. And uh, I'll say night one, I think, was a solid B plus. I think while the Goldberg match and the Elias match didn't hurt anything, it didn't really, they didn't really help anything. And I do agree that Bale, or um, Becky and Shayna should have gone longer, but... I understood with what was booked, they didn't have enough time. But I also think they could have cut the Elias Corbin match to make time for that. Um, right. As far as and, and the Boneyard match was just incredible. Uh, night two, I would give a C, uh, a C plus. I think it was. I think night one was still a better show as overall. I think, but I think night two had pieces of a really good show that maybe didn't connect together. Whereas night one, I thought a lot of the good stuff connected into each other. And also, I think number one also had the benefit of not knowing how it was going to play out. Whereas night two, you kind of already had a sense of what could be. I think sometimes that curiosity can really help. Um, I thought the Firefly Funhouse match was entertaining as hell, but not really much of a match. Uh, Drew and Brock was exactly like Goldberg Undertaker, or Go- Goldberg Undertaker, Goldberg Strowman, and I think the be- unfortunately for them, the best match of the night went on first. Yeah. Uh, so, do you think now we all know the best match of the fucking weekend was Boneyard match, but not Boneyard match? Do you think that the Charlotte Rhea Ripley match was the best match of the weekend? No. Yes. I if uh, if I had to rank, if I had to rank the matches that I love, that I love the best. Top five from best to worst, it would be Charlotte Rhea, Boneyard match, ladder match. Mm-hmm. Um, I gotta think for a second. Mm. Would you put Sami Zayn and Brent Daniel Bryan up there? Um. Trying to remember what all happened the first night. There was the women's title match. Yeah, yeah. Now I'll put uh, Becky and Shayna there, and There's then the women's Dan tag Ryan as well. Gulak. There's also the women's tag. 
Yeah, the women's tag was good, but I thought it was like I thought it was pretty good, but I don't think it was on the same level as the uh, the two women singles matches. I do think it was I and and honestly, like having gone back, I do think it was a li- it was. I, I think it was on the same level as the SmackDown women's match. Um, but yeah, no, but uh, if just top three, I think Charlotte and Rhea had the best match of, of the whole thing that, uh, but like, it's so it's tough between that and the boneyard match. Cause they're two completely different things. You've got one that's a straight up traditional wrestling match. And then you've got another, that's like a cinematic kind of thing. So I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'm going to tie them for best match because they're both the best, but in different ways. I agree. I think Charlotte and Rhea were the best match of the, the weekend. I think it ties with the ladder match. Yeah, the ladder match is great, too. Oh, God, that was incredible. Absolutely incredible. So, okay, so we gave our grades for each individual night. Overall, combined, both nights, what do you give the overall WrestleMania 36? B minus. Joe? Uh, I said it before, I gave it a C. I give it a solid. I think it was a solid B. I think I think for what they had and what they could do, I think they gave us everything we could. I think not having a crowd definitely hindered some of the things that they probably could do. Um, I think the setting of being in a smaller arena hindered some of the stuff that they could do. I think some of the matches were probably would probably have been better. I think like the even though they did some exploration, I think. Uh, a crowd in a larger venue would have helped the last man standing match a lot more. I think it would have given atmosphere to some of the lesser matches. Um, but I think all, all in all, I think they did much better and exceeded so many expectation with what they had. One hundred percent. I definitely consider this show a success. I think that this actually is going to be go down as not just the most unique, but I think one of the better WrestleManias in recent um. Yeah, I said like B minus because there was three great matches, right? But the rest are like, eh, too bad. I mean, I don't think anything was bad. Like I said, the Goldberg match, match, and the Brock Lesnar match, they because of the nature of how those matches go, they're only to me they're good or bad based on who wins, and the right person won both those matches. So I can't really, I can't really hate on those matches like I have other ones because I usually they wish, end with the wrong guy winning. I just wish that they would just do like you know because of what's going on in the world. I wish that after WrestleMania they just stop. They just. Don't do anything for a month or two. You know what I mean? But they well, got to build up the money in the bank. Like I was gonna say, it looks like money in the bank's gonna happen at the the performance center as well. Because they, I mean, they haven't outright canceled it. I haven't heard anything about them like not doing it in Baltimore. But I, I, I just can't see them. You know, considering it's this month, right? April, right? It's May tenth. What? It's May tenth. Oh, it's May 10th? Okay, early May. Even early May, like, I just, I don't see it happening in the, uh, in, in Baltimore. I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to be at the Performance Center again. But, you know, I mean, you got to, I do agree, it probably would be better if they just took a break. But at the same time, you kind of have to, like, respect their, their, their per- persistence, their perseverance to keep going. The problem with the Money in the Bank match is a ladder gimmick match, and ladder gimmick matches, while it worked for the tag team the tag team title match, 
It's a little hard to do when there's no crowd reacting. Um, yes and no. I mean, the three put on a really good ladder match. I mean, literally, if you just add three more people, you have a Money in the Bank match. Um, I will point out that we forgot to mention that Gronk is the new 24-7 champion. Yeah, you forgot oh, to point yeah. out that I um, called it. You did Joe, call. I, fair, I think everybody and their mother kind of figured Gronk was going to win that belt. Yeah, but uh, who had the balls to say it? I did. Joe. I, I, I got to give it to you, Joe. You did, in fact, have the balls. Yep. But I think that's going to do it for this uh, this episode. Um you know, hope you enjoyed this. I hope you like our thoughts on WrestleMania. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Get in contact with us any way you can. And, you know, let us know how you felt about WrestleMania, how you thought about our thoughts on WrestleMania, uh, what your thoughts on the Boneyard match was, the Fun- Firefly Funhouse, you know, you know, best, worst, whatever. Let us know. And Wade is going to tell you how to do that. Wade, plug them in. Uh, Facebook.com slash Productions. We have Twitter. Mint Condish, M-C-P, and then we have Instagram, Mint Condish Productions. That's right. Wade and I have our band Meteor King as well, meteorking.bandcamp.com. You can find links to all social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Reverb Nation, SoundCloud. It's all there. Uh, you can also purchase digital copies of our music there. You can purchase physical CD copies as well as along with T-shirts, pins, patches. It's all there. And if you get any physical media, we'll send you a free uh, pink die cut Meteor King logo sticker, absolutely free. Uh, as far as upcoming shows, as I mentioned in the last piece, uh, not really going to announce anything going forward on the podcast. Follow the social media. You'll know sooner there than you will on this podcast. And in the crazy times we live in, who's to say what's canceled, what's not canceled. And who knows, by the time this episode's up, it might already be canceled. So just stick to the, the social media to keep updated. Joe, what else? Uh, we have a YouTube page at youtube.com slash Productions. Uh, you can see all kinds of stuff there, like the shorts, Criterion Connections, B-Movie Den. All that stuff's on there. Just go subscribe to the channel. Watch whatever you want. Like the videos you like. Dislike the ones you don't. Please leave a comment, and even better, share the videos. I, I do want to piggyback on what Joe said. Uh, you know, you're stuck inside. We have hundreds of videos you can watch. Um, the past few weeks, we have not had much content because of what's going on with the, the COVID-19 stuff. But this week will be a new Criterion connection. It'll be audio only. Uh, also, I am going to upload, well, probably up by the time this episode's on, um, there's a new B-movie den with Gary doing a solo episode. Uh, it's, it's the man who killed Hitler, then the Bigfoot. Um, so that's a, new, that's a newer movie, isn't it? It's got Sam Elliott in it. Yeah. 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 I heard about it. Um, but so he reviews that we're going to review on Criterion Connection Repulsion. So the YouTube content is now going to be back rolling normally the past few weeks because of complications. We didn't do any. But from now, from this week on, we're going to have continuous content. All right. Sounds good. So now you know what to deal with, what we're doing. And, uh, yeah, so uh, thank you to everybody for joining us for this uh, extra bonus episode as we talk about night two of WrestleMania 36. And we will see you next time. Uh, so uh, until then, I'm Scott the Bot Savage along with. Speedway. And Joe.
Reminding you, as always, to keep it clean. Keep it sweet. But most importantly, you got to keep it... Min- 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 Min-